right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic. And each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Now, up next is probably the biggest fan of the 12 questions among the NASCAR driving core, at least uh, that I know of. Uh, and that is Chase Briscoe of Stuart Haas Racing. Even back um, in his early Xfinity Series days, he'd always message me about how much he liked the 12 questions or reading them. And uh, this year, there was a twist because in the offseason, he had a suggestion for a question, which we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. And, uh, I was, I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And, and, uh, he was, he was confident about it and it's gotten some good answers so far. And that is the question about the deal that came closest to happening, but didn't actually happen. That was completely his idea. And, uh, so appreciate his suggestion for that. So he'll answer that. He'll answer a bunch of other ones. And I'm really excited because I think this interview turned out to be one of the better ones in this entire series. Uh, at least in recent memory. So really hope you enjoy it. I loved it and uh, wish I'd just gone on and on and on. Could talk to him all day. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Chase Briscoe. All right, everybody, we're here with Chase Briscoe for another 12 questions. I always like to go with you early in the season because I feel like you, uh, first of all, you're really good at answering them, but second of all, you actually like these. So if if they need tweaking or whatever, I feel like I can adjust the wording a little bit and nobody will notice that I... (laughs) slightly change it or something like that you know i'm an avid reader for sure yeah like i'm a big fan of it that's that means a lot and as we'll get to later you submitted a question a suggestion that is on this one permanently the entire season i know and i'm excited to see how it goes i feel like there's going to be a lot of things that people don't realize that we're close to happening yeah no i'm I'm pumped about that so uh, let's start it off here uh so the first one is you must pick one chore or obligation to do every day for a year but if you make it the whole year doing this, you never have to do it again the rest of your life. So what do you pick to do? Well, this one for me would have to be taking out the trash. Oh, okay. But the thing is, if you think about a whole year, like think how many times you're going to have to take it out in the rain, in the cold. Like mm-hmm. there's gonna, that part's not going to be the most fun. But if I'd never had to do it again the rest of my life, that would also be a plus. So I would say taking the trash to the end of the street. It's oh, just like a hassle. You can't like you have a long driveway or like you have to you Yeah, so like now we just moved houses and my driveway is pretty long. So like it's just it's not fun to do. You can't just like put it right outside your door. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it makes it a, a little bit more of a pain where before, I mean even if it was right off the door, like it I don't know, <laughs> just something about taking out the trash. It's like Yeah. It's just another thing you have to do. I know. You have to Get the bag, then you gotta tie pull the bag back up, in. then you have to put a replacement bag in, which is one of my problems. I take it out, yeah, and then I don't put a replacement back That's how I in, am. and my wife's like, yo, like, where, where's I the know. bag? There's so many steps that go into <laughs> just taking out the trash, because yeah. you think, like you said, you gotta do that part, then you gotta take it to the end of the street, then yep. you gotta let them take it, then you gotta bring it back. Mm, like, it's yep. just a, there's a lot of steps that go into such a simple task, I feel like. I agree. So, uh, can you describe how you are as a passenger in a streetcar? Um, I feel like it depends on who you ask. Like it depends oh. on who I'm riding with. Interesting. Um, I don't know that that's a tough question. I would definitely rather ride than drive. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. I don't, for whatever reason, I've like, you get always enough driving trying in your to, life. well, I'm just trying to like, 
I would rather just be on my phone over there or like just be not having to focus. I just feel like every time I drive, I it makes me really, really tired for whatever reason. I don't know why. Like say it's a long drive. If I'm driving, I'm falling asleep. But if I'm in the passenger seat, I could stay up all night. Huh. So I don't know why that is, but I, I would say I'm a good passenger. My wife probably gets mad because I do feel like I... Like, I'll see something up ahead, and I'll be like, hey, they're checking up up there. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I see it. So I guess on that side, I'm probably not the best, but I don't know. I, I feel like it depends on who I'm riding with, and I guess it would determine from their side if I'm a good passenger or not. But for me, I feel like I am. Are you a calm spotter for her? Are you like, checking up, checking up, checking up? No, nah, I'm, kind of I'm calm. Yeah, okay. I feel like I give it, like, a while. Like, I'm not, like, one to say it when we're 300 feet back, but, okay. like, if we're getting there and I'm like, oh, she ain't checking up. Yeah. Well, then I'm like, hey, they're, they're stopping. And then she's like, yeah, I know. I was going <laughs> to stop, but she's heavy on the brake zone, let me tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. She drives in there deep. Okay. Yeah, she drives it in there deep. Uh, what is an app on your phone that you love using and think more people should know about? Well, I would always say Reddit for sure. Like, I, I'm obviously big on, on the NASCAR Reddit, but I will say a new app. And I, I say that because I feel like a lot of people lately have gotten on reddit like four or five years ago i feel like there's probably a lot more people that didn't even know what it was or at least now it's more common but still i i, I always say that they're like the most hardcore fan base i feel like the nascar mm-hmm. reddit people are but one app that has literally consumed my entire off season is called whatnot whatnot it's called whatnot and it's like an auction app and so i've been buying just trading cards like football cards basketball cards baseball cards f1 cards and it's just a live auction and i'm on there all the time even if i'm not buying i'll just get on there and watch for like an hour two hours and burn so much time my wife thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world because i'll just sit there and watch these people open trading cards but it's like this auction and then you either pick a number and they like pull out the cards and like say you pick number three they'll take the third card in the deck and whatever team is on that well, then you get that team, and that it's called a break. So say there's 10 boxes in this break. Every team or every card that is your team in that break, you get that card. Oh. Well, they have those, or they have one where you get to spin a wheel. And whatever the wheel lands on, that's your team. So it's kind of like gambling in a sense. So you're taking a risk because you don't know. Yeah, and, and you might you might get a good team. You might get a bad team. And then sometimes Ooh. they pull out these cards that are just – like I want to say it was last May – they hit a LeBron James card that sold at auction for $2.2 million. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty addicting. Wow. But the one there's this w- one group that I always watch. It's called Backyard Breaks. And they, like, are the biggest, uh, I guess, channel on the app. Like, they get 800 to 1,500 viewers at once. And I invited them to the 500. So there's, like, six of them coming. So I'm oh, going to wow. get to meet a lot of the guys that are on it. So I'm pretty excited about that. So, um... The, like, how do you get the, like, do you have to pay shipping for the card? They just send yeah, you the so, cards? Like, yeah, what? they send you the card. So, like, you have your, you know, your shipping address. And I think whenever you buy, like, a part of the auction or whatever, like, the shipping is included. Oh, okay. And then there's also times, like, they run, like, giveaways and free cards. Like, sometimes I'll get on the NASCAR ones with one of my buddies and just, like, get in there. And I hit a Tyler Reddit card for free one time. It was worth, like, $180. So, like, I don't have any connection to these cards at all. I'm strictly turning and burning. So like you I, sell them too? Oh yeah, okay, on, e- gotcha, on gotcha. eBay. One of my really good friends, he's he's who got me onto this app. I want to say it was the Roval Weekend. He's like, hey, check this out, and he showed me, and I didn't really understand it. Then all of a sudden, I got really deep into it, and now I'm to the point. 
every card I buy just goes to his house, and then he sends them on eBay, and then every race he sees me, he just brings me money. Oh, so you don't have to, like, because I was going to say, you don't like taking out the trash, but then you got to go to the post office. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And be like, oh, my gosh, like, ship it to all these people. Yeah, but then my tire guy on the 14 car, he actually owns a card shop. So sometimes, like, if I get a card or one that I don't know about, or if I'm just trying to figure out what the value is, I'll, like, send him a screenshot of it. I'll be like, look what I just hit. So the other night I hit a car that I think was worth, like, 800 to 1200 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to look yeah, at this. Yeah, it's called Whatnot. Okay. Um, so let's see. What do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day? Uh, so this, this question or this answer definitely changed now that I have a son. So for me, that's the biggest thing. Like I feel like anytime I'm having a bad day, I just want to get home and just hang out with him and spend like total one-on-one time. And I feel like my perspective even on racing is totally changed. Like I felt like even before, before I had a son, like I would really leave the, like a bad day at the racetrack. Like I wouldn't really dwell on it, but now even more so I feel like I do that. So for me, anytime I'm not having a bad day, I just want to hang out with him because he has no clue what's going on in the world. You could have the worst day of your life at work or just personally or whatever. And he's just so excited to see you, right? It has no clue what's going on. And so for me, that's been the biggest thing that I, when I'm having a bad day, I just try to spend like really good quality one-on-one time with him. Nice. That's really cool. So um, this next thing is I'm asking uh, uh, an advice column type question that have been submitted by readers, changing it for each driver. The one uh, picked for you is, I started a new job and get odd looks and comments when I eat my favorite sandwich in the break room, which is peanut butter, sweet pickles, and mayo. Should I start eating lunch, my lunch alone in my office or embrace my admittedly weird taste in sandwiches? Now, I don't know if this person... This could be like fake. I don't know. This is an anonymous submission. I didn't Google to see if peanut butter, <laughs> sweet pickles, and mayo is an actual sandwich that other people that eat. It sounds like a Dell Jr. type thing. It almost, yeah, it yeah. almost is that. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, you know, you, you've gotten uh, plenty of comments about your, your eating habits yeah. in the past, and it kind of like is a little bit uh, like, I mean, from my perspective, it was like, oh, this is funny at first, and then people like people bring it up to you all the time. You have to talk about it all the time. Maybe that's not, maybe that's annoying or, yeah, or something. I so, say, how do you, what do you say to this person? Yeah, so I would say like I, I get having like the weird eating hat. Like his is like all three of those things on that sandwich. I've never even had in my life, right? So like mine's kind of different from his, but I know. I would say it's like annoying, but like it does like get old after a while. Like when everybody's constantly like bringing it up. But I don't know. I would just say embrace it, right? But I will say it's intimidating. Like, I know when I go to, like, a banquet or, like, a sponsor event, I'm freaking out about what the food's going to be because I know that I'm probably not going to eat it. So then it looks weird if you're not eating it. But he's kind of on a totally different spectrum than what I'm on where, like, his this thing that he's eating is different than what a lot of people eat. So I would just say embrace it. But I don't know. I'm I'm weird, too, like... I could see myself eating in my office too and just not even dealing with it. But I would say eventually the like the newness of it, like the, the I've obviously never heard of a sandwich with that combination. So the newness is going to wear off and then they're just going to forget about it, right? It's just going to be normal. So I would say just keep digging and just keep doing your thing in the break room because yeah. once you go to your office eat all the time, you're committed at that point. Like you can't go back to the break room. 
right right yeah that's a good point yeah they, it'll, it'll get they're not gonna ask him about it every day yeah right? like they're like oh you're eating that sandwich again like yeah the next day like yeah yeah okay so what what so how do you handle it when you go to like some event and it's a banquet and you know you're not like what do, what do you do you just sit there i and just like, I, I just hopefully they have like bread rolls and then you can normally at least for me i can scarf down something like as long as i take a big enough piece of bread take a bite out of bread and then you just really you get good at it of making your plate look like you've ate more than what you really have okay i got you yeah yeah that's really interesting. Yeah, I would say like five years ago, six years ago, I wouldn't have even taken a bite out of it. Like I would just kind of like, I don't know, move it around. But now I'll at least take a couple bites out of it. I've gotten better about trying stuff way more than I was, like I said, five or six years ago. So I don't know. It is hard, though, for me whenever I go to places like that. Yeah. Um, so this next one is a hot topic, uh, you know, something that is debatable in the world of pop culture. Uh, I thought... I'd ask you about Taylor Swift. You know, she's just came out with a new album or, you know, going on tour and all, all that stuff again. And people are talking about it all the time. Uh, I don't know that her the opinion is universal, though, on her. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll just say, you know, personally, like I, I'm I'm not saying she's not a good musician, but I feel like she's a little bit overrated. So where do you where do you land on on Taylor Swift? Like yeah. overrated, underrated? I would say she's very like you're either hot or cold with her. Right. Like there's. I don't know, like you either absolutely love it or you're just not big on it. And I would say I'm on your side where it's not that I dislike her music, but that's not going to be what I picked to listen to. Like if it comes on, like, yeah, I'll listen to it, but I'm definitely not downloading the album either. So I'm just kind of, I would say for me, I wouldn't say she's overrated. Like I do think she's good. It's just not my, like my ears just don't, like, that's not the type of music I'm going to listen to. Yeah, like, people play her songs or songs come on the radio, and I say to my wife, like, this song's, like, not that great. Like, no, exactly. <laughs> like, like wh- it's why okay. does everybody love this so much? I just feel like it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, if if that same exact song came out and it wasn't Taylor Swift, it wouldn't even be in the top ten. That's, oh, yes. But, I like, since her that. name's on it, yes, it's like, oh, it's cool. Right, right. We're gonna this this is this might ruin this might be the last episode of this podcast. People are, Taylor Swift fans are gonna be oh, yeah, so everybody's mad. gonna hate me, but I mean I will say I liked her country stuff better than her pop stuff. Yeah, it's she, her. Yeah, I, and I, I I'm I not I wasn't anymore, like but. big on her country stuff, but I would say I liked her more as country than I do now. The older stuff, for yeah, sure. yeah. So this next question is a wild card question. Where I'm mixing it up for each person, and uh, you know it's just so. Hearing you talk at Daytona Media Day a little a little bit about this too, it's just so like okay the the idea of you being like a major fan of a driver like absolutely like you dressed him as him for Halloween all stuff then you grow up to not only be another NASCAR driver but to race for a team that this guy owns and then you're like he's not only your boss and like all this stuff but now you're like making commercials with him like you've <laughs> had like. You were watching commercials of him as a kid. Now you're in the freaking commercials with him. Like, does that ever get to a point where it's it's normal? Or you still catch yourself going, wow, this is weird. No, it is totally weird. I literally had that moment. at the, We shot those commercials, I want to say, probably three or four weeks ago. And there was a point where we were just waiting on the cameras to move. And I'm sitting on the one tractor. And he's sitting probably, you know, 15 feet off to my right. I'm just looking at him. And I'm like... 
this is the craziest thing, <laughs> like, literally in the world that here I was, like, for one, dressing up as you as a kid, like, literally, like, you were my hero, my idol. I watched all the commercials, like, like he was my guy. And now I'm, I'm here in this commercial with you. It's just, like, it's a total pinch-me moment, I feel like, every time. And I even remember calling my mom a couple days later, and I'm like, this is just weird to me still, like, how all these doors open, you know, for one, like you wrote the, the awesome story about like all these doors that opened to just get me to the cup series. But then also the fact that if there was any car in the cup series that I could drive, like that would have been the one I would pick. And I don't think there's another driver in the field that can say they're in the car that they would have probably picked. Like, it's just, it's crazy how it's all came full circle. Um, but yeah, I feel like every time like I'm around Tony or anything, it's just a total, I mean, literally, every I find myself still like driving down the road randomly on like a Tuesday. And I'm I'm like, I drive in the Cup Series in the <laughs> 14 car. Like, how cool is that? So I would say I definitely have not gotten used to it. I don't think I ever will, truthfully. Hmm. Oh, that's pretty amazing. That's really cool. Um, so this next question is your own question. Yeah. Thank you very much. I doubted you. Uh, you know, I said, are, are you sure we're going to get truthful answers on this? And uh, so far, uh, the, you're, you're number three to go, but so far two for two. So um, I appreciate that. Uh, so the question is, in your career, what's the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? Yeah, so I don't, I think everybody's version of close is different, right? Like I've not had truthfully a ton of opportunities just with my upbringing and things like that. But I would say the only other deal that I've ever had even a potential of uh, was 2016. I was running ARCA, and I remember I I just won IRP, and that was when it was still on Brickyard Weekend. Um, so that was my third win in a row in the ARCA series. Um, we were kind of towards, I want to say around July, I guess, August. And I'm walking around Brickyard Weekend. I get this text from this random phone number, and it said, Hey, Chase, this is Jeff Gordon. Would love to sit down and talk with you uh, at some point today. And I'm thinking, like, this is one of my buddies, like, <laughs> get, got that fake phone number thing and it's messing with me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I would love, like, you know, I, I send back, and he's like, meet me at my, my holler after practice. So I go over there after practice. I'm thinking, you know, that it's going to be one of my buddies is still going to just walk up and be messing with me. And I, I, I remember, like, it was yesterday. It was me and Claire B. Lang was standing there, and she was waiting to get an interview. And Jeff's PR guy walks out. And Claire starts, like, walking towards him thinking, like, it's her turn, right? And he just walks by and comes and grabs me and says, we're going to go to the motorhome. So I go to Jeff's motorhome, and, you know, they were, like, telling me all about how they've been watching and have been, you know, impressed and um, wanted to potentially have me over at Hendrick. And I went to Hendrick two or three times in 2016. I got a full shop tour. I remember, uh, I want to say, I can't remember what week it was, maybe Michigan or Watkins Glen or something. I remember there was a rain delay in the cup race and Jeff was like texting me about huh. still trying to get to Hendrick. Um, but obviously like they needed some sponsorship money and I didn't have any sponsorship money to bring at the time. Um, and that's kind of when Briggs was trying, Briggs Cunningham was trying to figure out if I was going to run Arca again for him or what was going to go on. But yeah, I mean, I toured Hendrick two or three times, like sit down with, Jeff in his office, uh, you know, the president of Hendrick Motorsports a couple times. And that was like the closest thing I had at the time. And then Ford came in about a month later and offered me a full blown deal. So it never really went farther past that. But 
Yeah, there was a point there where I can say, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, uh, like I got the full-blown tour and was, I don't know how serious they were about potentially signing me, but they made it seem like they really wanted me at the time. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Huh. That's interesting. Have you ever talked to Jeff, like, you know, been like, hey, remember that time or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I've never brought it up to him, but I know Jeff still, every time he sees me, tells me I'm doing a really good job and they're watching and things like that. So that's been cool for me because obviously I was a diehard Tony fan, but I mean, Jeff Gordon was another sprint car guy that I always looked up to and things like that. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like who knows what will happen one day, but it is cool to say that at one point, you know, Hendrick Motorsports was able to call me and say, Hey, like, we'd love to, to come show you the shop at least like not yeah. very many people can say that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so the next question is who is a person you would be starstruck by when meeting them? Um, I don't know. I feel like not that I've got to be around like a lot of big, big names, but I will say, I, I don't feel like I get starstruck any like at Vegas last year, I got to meet Vince Vaughn and like, I didn't even, think anything like i actually walked up to him where normally i would never do that um so and i don't no know butterflies yeah like no butterflies yeah. or anything which like five six years ago i would have for sure been like scared of him. i wouldn't even went over to him but i will say i would be nervous probably around peyton manning a little bit just growing up a big colts fan uh michael jordan i've seen him at the racetrack i never talked to him but i mean grace of all time um and then Will Ferrell. Like I'm oh. a, I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. So I would say I would probably be nervous around him too. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I feel like those three guys would probably get me pretty nervous. Yeah, I, uh, understandable. What is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess? I think it's different for everybody. Like it depends on what you're racing, where you're racing, um, you know, the series and things like that, but I feel like one of my biggest attributes would be I feel like I'm always calm and I feel like you see a lot of guys like lose their head really easily and they just start making mistakes and they like Martinsville is a great example like you get hit beat around and you just completely forget about the task at hand and you're just more worried about wrecking the other guy back or getting at him so I feel like having like a calm demeanor is really important um and that's just something I feel like I've like I feel like you know me well enough. Like I'm pretty even killed all the time. Like I don't really get too worked up. And I feel like if I didn't have that, I probably would struggle a lot more. I I, I don't know if that was even your question really, but I feel yeah. like for me, that's kind of the one thing that separates me from some guys is I don't really get too worked up. And I feel like that's kind of an overlooked trait in a race car driver. Yeah. Because like you get to the point where if you're not calm, you start, like stressing out and you're getting worked up and i just feel like you start making mistakes but i would say overall of all race car drivers the biggest thing you have to do in today's world is just be able to adapt and have like adaptability really quickly because if you're going to be a really good race car driver you have to be able to adapt to different race cars different race tracks you know how the car is handling and the guy that can typically adapt the quickest is the guys that kind of rise to the occasion and rise to the levels a little bit quicker than others yeah okay that's really two really good answers um, what life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult? Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any one in particular, but one thing I feel like I've always carried like throughout my career, like on off the racetrack, even in my personal life is just 
trying to treat everybody how they should be treated. And I, every time any young race car driver asks me what what's the best thing for me to do, like in my career, to try to get to the Cup Series or NASCAR or anything, is that's what I always tell them: is just treat everybody like you would want to be treated, whether it's the guy that owns the team or the guy doing the lowest job on the totem pole, because you never know who that guy might know and who that guy might be with one day. And I don't, I mean, I can count a couple times in my career where me just being nice to people got me a ride because that tire guy or whatever was on a team and the driver gets hurt or whatever. And he tells the owner, Hey, I worked with this, this kid a couple of years ago. He was really nice, you know, treated everybody with respect and nobody wants to hire somebody that is rude to people and mm. is mean to people. Right? Like yep. they want somebody that's genuine and just nice to people. And I feel like that goes such a long way not only with the people that work on your race car, they want to go that extra mile for you because you're always nice and thankful for the opportunity and things like that. But even with sponsors, like being that nice guy and just being genuine all the time and not being two different people like on the camera and off the camera, I feel like just goes a really long way. And that's something I feel like I learned at a young age from my grandparents and my parents is just always treat everybody with respect and you know, nobody's above anybody else. And I feel like I've tried to carry that throughout my life to this point. And I feel like that's the biggest thing that I try to do every single day. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've seen that from you when, before you were yeah, anybody, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so each week I ask a driver, give me a question for the next person. And, uh, the last one was with Alex Bowman and he says, you know, Chase Briscoe, like I see him at some sprint car races and he's got all the equipment and stuff to like have a team and has a team, you know, going program starting to go. Well, why doesn't he race his sprint car more? Yeah. So I actually don't own any of the sprint car stuff. I drive for a guy. Um, but a lot of it is I have a family. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like Alex, I have a wife and a son and you know, not that they don't want me gone all the time, but also I don't want to be gone all the time. Um, and, and honestly, as I've, not gotten older but you know as brooks has gotten older and i'm trying to spend more time with him and just the risk versus reward i guess has changed my outlook on a little bit of things and you know dj vanderlei that just got you know paralyzed a couple months ago you know he was my engineer for three years i literally sat in front of him on the plane the week before and like just seeing how quickly his life changed in like one night has kind of changed my outlook on some things you know i'm still going to run dirt races but i'm probably just not going to run as much as i did in the past so the sprint car deal too i i feel like for me has always been a struggle i tell everybody i've always not been the greatest dirt race car like i just struggle on dirt especially in a sprint car and i feel like unless you're kyle larson (laughs) you have to do it a lot to be really good Mm -hmm. and i just don't know if i necessarily want to go race 50 races a year to to even be competitive and when you're going there and you're not competitive it's not the most fun and if you're not competitive and you're putting yourself at all this risk why even go so i would say that's why i've probably scaled back over the last year or two um it's just because of the risk versus reward and also having a son now trying to spend more time at home you know if i was single i would probably race 200 races a year but yeah having a wife and a son it kind of changes your perspective on things so i would say that's probably the biggest reason why yeah well it makes total sense for sure uh so the next interview is going to be with Corey lajoy uh do you have a question that i can ask Corey? 
Uh, I probably should have thought of this one a little bit earlier. Um, I would say my question to Corey is, is I guess what, like Corey's not really had a shot right at like a top level team yet. So I guess just what does he think? Like there's obviously going to be a lot of differences, like the amount of people at the shop, the even like the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. So I, I know he would like jump at the opportunity right away, right? But I guess what does he think would be the biggest difference in a, you know, like a powerhouse organization versus one of the smaller teams that he's at right now? And, well, I'm not even going to ask that would he be ready for that because I know he is, and I, I feel like he's going to get that opportunity at some point. But I guess what does he think would be like the biggest change for him personally trying to balance all those things? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a really good question. Well, I'm sad this is over. I, I know. Uh, I, always I always look forward enjoy to doing this. it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but thank you for giving great answers always, and um, yeah, I appreciate you appreciate your support. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Chase Briscoe with a great interview on the 12 questions. You know, I feel like sometimes drivers come along and they're really normal at first, and uh, once they get bigger. Uh, they start to become more of like a, a driver, a star, you know, um, sort of lose touch with reality a little bit, maybe. I mean, that's the nature of, of their business and being in the spotlight and things like that. But I, I do have faith that Chase Briscoe is such a normal dude that he's always sort of going to be um, on that level, uh, on the normal level and, and be relatable. And, um, you know, if he's somebody that's able to win races consistently and be relevant, I think that'd be really good for NASCAR because you know, he is such a down to earth person and, um, I think fans could, could appreciate that. So we'll see where his career goes, but either way, uh, as long as he's around, we'll definitely be always doing, um, one of the 12 questions with him as early as possible in the season, because I think he's, he's fantastic at them. Anyway, of course, the written version of these are on the athletic.com and the podcast version comes out one week earlier on the athletic.com than it does in the Apple podcast feed or the Spotify feed. So, and there's also no ads on those. So if you want to listen there, uh, instead of, of where it is here, or you want to read it, please go to theathletic.com slash 12 questions. That's one, two questions. And, um, you should see the latest deal there and would love to have you become a subscriber if you're not already. Anyway, yes, as you heard there next week is Corey LaJoy. And then the week after that will be Ross Chastain. So a couple other good ones coming up. Hope you guys keep tuning in. In the meantime, thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.